May God bless the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts. Amen. What a week for our country. A tragedy in Connecticut that moved our president to tears. In this Advent season, we wait for the coming of the light into the world. We anticipate it. Certainly there's no denying that there's plenty of darkness in our world. What urgency then, as we wait for the coming of the light? How significant this is for us. This is our life, this is our hope. We need the light in our world more than ever. In this time of Advent, every year we get to experience this whole cycle of the story of Jesus. We get to experience his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. The other day I was teaching the middle school students downstairs, uh, which I really love to do. It's kind of a special treat for me. And I asked them, if you were going to tell the story of Jesus, where would you start? So I asked that question also to you. If you were going to tell the story of Jesus, if it's the gospel according to Mark, or the gospel according to Kathleen, the gospel according to Nancy, where would you start the story? One of the middle schoolers said, maybe with his birth. Seems like a reasonable answer. Let a biography start with birth. One of them said, maybe with the cross. Obviously a very significant event. That might be the Mel Gibson approach to it. <laughs> Where would you start the story? Well, our four Gospels actually start the story in four different places. Each Gospel writer has his own perspective. Mark is the oldest Gospel. It's supposed to be based on the recollections of Peter. Mark starts the story with John the Baptist appearing in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Prepare for the coming of the light. And then the next thing that happens is Jesus gets baptized by John and then begins his ministry. Luke starts the story a little bit earlier, but interestingly, he also starts with John the Baptist. Actually with John's parents, who are very old at this point and have not been able to conceive a child. And God performs a miracle for them and allows Elizabeth to get pregnant with John the Baptist. And then we have this wonderful scene of the angel coming to Mary and telling her what's going to happen. Interestingly, in this gospel, this amazing miracle is coming into their birth. They're all really anticipating the coming of Jesus now. But the only people who really know what's happening are the people for whom the Holy Spirit has revealed it, or an angel has revealed it to them. For most people, this is a secret. This is a hidden miracle that's occurring in their midst. Which brings us to Matthew. So Matthew starts the story much earlier, actually with Abraham. And then all of Abraham's descendants down to Jesus. So again, this anticipation for the coming of the Messiah now is being described over generations and generations of people who have been hoping and dreaming, prophesying for this to happen. Great anticipation. And then the next thing that happens in the story is Joseph finds out that Mary's pregnant before their marriage and not by him. So you can imagine his reaction to that news. <laughs> the angel comes to Joseph and tells him what's really going on and to Joseph's great credit, he believes the angel. So Joseph and Mary may know that this miracle is happening in their midst, but we have to imagine that their communities interpreted this event a little bit differently. Jesus was, so to speak, illegitimate. He was born before they were married. 
And now in that culture and time, to be born out of wedlock was especially shameful. So this same event, which Christians view as perhaps the greatest miracle of all time, most people then didn't actually see it that way. It was a hidden miracle. Which finally brings us to the Gospel of John. So John starts the story much earlier. In the beginning of all time, right? The Word was God, the Word was with God. He, Jesus, was in the beginning. And so this anticipation for Jesus' coming into the world, becoming flesh, this anticipation has been building up from the beginning of time. So this is the season that we're in. Each of the four Gospels starts in a different place, but in a way they all start from the same place, with this anticipation. And indeed, also in John's Gospel, when Jesus comes into the world, most people don't recognize who he is. It is a hidden miracle. It seems, most of the time in these stories, it's really through the Holy Spirit that people are able to recognize the light of God when it comes. So my prayer for us this morning, first of all in Advent, is that God may open our eyes and help us to see the light in our world, to see the miracles that are around us, to prepare us for the light that is indeed coming. One way that lights really come into my life is that I started doing spiritual direction. So I see a spiritual director twice a month for the past two or three years or so. And he had me do or begin a practice in which I look for five miracles a day. Some of you may have heard me mention this before. Now this has been a wonderful practice for me, just making me more open, changing my perspective on the everyday events in my life. And so for me, the litmus test for a miracle has become not so much some extraordinary event, like the parting of the Red Sea, but everyday little events in which I feel God has touched my life or touched somebody's life, made contact with us. These things are happening all around us all the time. So looking for five miracles a day suggests that God's light is often hidden unless we are open to recognize it. So may we be open in this season to recognizing God's light. I'll tell you a small story about this. And now my reflections on this story happened actually from another assignment I got from my spiritual director, which was to write a spiritual autobiography. This was a wonderful assignment for me. Looking back over my life, each phase of my life, thinking, where was God in my life at this point? And it actually really surprised me. I found that there were a lot of miracles in my life over the, the past many years that I didn't really realize were happening at the time. I came to see this in a whole new light. So, one small example of this, when I was a little kid, we lived in West Virginia, um, what I would call maybe not the most stable situation. My parents were very young, we were relatively poor, my dad was struggling a lot with life at that point, with alcoholism, with poverty, and so there was some darkness in our lives then. It was a difficult time in the hills of Appalachia. But my mom had a few friends who were evangelical Christians, and I often remember them praying, reading the Bible at the dinner table, all of these things as a very young child that were seeds that I didn't know at the time, but much later were really going to manifest in my life, in my faith. And now finally, things kind of fell apart between my parents when I was about five, and so my, parents moved, or my mom moved out with my brother and I. And initially, we were looking at a trailer on the Shenandoah River. Mom didn't have much money to spend on a house, so that was the first place we were looking. 
But our friends Joe and Judy said, no, 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 don't move to that trailer. Come live with us up in the hills in West Virginia. You can stay with us for as long as you need to. Well, it turned out that when we were living with Joe and Judy, a flood hit the Shenandoah River. And there's really no telling what could have happened if we had been living there. So this event, as I reflected back over it, I really felt in my heart strongly that God touched our lives in this way. He steered us in a certain direction. And not only in that particular event, but I feel that that was really a metaphor for the whole situation. As a young child, any number of trajectories could have happened for me that would have not been so good growing up in the hills of West Virginia. But a very positive trajectory is what ended up happening. A lot of light came into my life, and I sincerely thank God for that. So this practice of a spiritual autobiography, part of the reason I share it with you, is I encourage you to think about doing this. It's a wonderful practice. You can, at each sitting, you can think of a small portion of your life, you can think of your whole life. But really the practice is thinking, where was God in my life at this point? And it might really change your perception of your past. So this prayer, first of all, is to see in a new way the light that's coming into our world. The light shining in the darkness. And now the second step is not only seeing it, but sharing it. Proclaiming it with each other. John the Baptist was the proclaimer par excellence. Prepare the way of the Lord. Get ready for the light. Prepare your lives so that you can see the light when it actually comes. And I have one other short story I want to share with you guys. Much later, when I was 20, it's a little while ago now, but, uh, I was at, back living with my dad, uh, this time in DC, working at a taxi company where he worked for just for the summer. And at that point, I was really getting into reading the Bible a lot. So sometimes I'd read the Bible at work when it was slow, not a lot of calls coming in. And this other young man from Southeast DC saw me reading it, this African-American man named Chauncey. So he went up and started talking to me about it. And we formed a connection pretty quickly. I left at the end of that summer. Chauncey left me this wonderful note. Grace and peace to you in our Lord Jesus Christ. Just wishing me blessings over the next year of mine in school. And this really touched my heart. Now, I should say that Chauncey grew up in Southeast DC, which is a very rough place. As a young man, I went to an elite liberal arts school. As a young man, Chauncey went to prison. So our lives, even though I'd had some struggles, had taken very different trajectories, very different contexts. And normally, we wouldn't meet, we wouldn't be hanging out. The walls that often divide us in our society would have kept us apart. But Chauncey reached out to me over those walls. I believe God had put it in his heart to reach out to me. So I wrote him a few letters that year, and then the next summer I was back in DC, I started hanging out with him in Southeast DC, and we formed this wonderful bond. We prayed together. We became really deep brothers in Christ. Now, I didn't do anything extraordinary, but it was a little unusual for me to be there. And I think for them, it was a really special thing that I was willing to come down there and hang out with them. So, Chauncey's willingness to proclaim or to reach out and share with me something God had put in his heart really had ripple effects. And he asked me to be the godson for his first child. So these small acts are really what brings the light into the world for all of us. The light shines in the darkness. Southeast DC can be a very dark place. But when I was there, I felt God's light and God's grace. So in this Advent season, we are invited to tell each other what we mean to each other. Share with your friend, with your family, 
How has that person brought light into your life? Share the love with each other. Now Barack Obama in his comments said, tonight I'm going to hug my children a little bit tighter. I'm going to tell my wife that I love her. Now in the wake of tragedy, all of us can certainly do that. But not just in tragedy, in Advent in general, this is how we can bring the light into the world. It's all around us. Miracles are happening. All of you are miracles right now in this moment. So let us be inspired to share this with each other, to share this light. This is how the light can shine in the darkness for all of us. Now often in this world, which can be a broken-hearted world, I'm tempted to think that I just want God to do some great drastic action to change things. Part the Red Sea. Get rid of all the guns. Don't let anybody do crazy things. Now it might be that that's not exactly how the light is going to come. Pete Seeger, the famous musician and activist, said that the world will not be saved by one big thing but by a million small things. A million small miracles. A million of us sharing with each other the light that we bring into each other's lives. And truly, when all of these lights connect to each other, it is one great light. It is God coming into the world powerfully. It is our hope. It is our life. So in this season of Advent, in which we think about the light and we also experience the darkness in our world, may this be our intention to participate in the light coming into the world. For the beginning of the story of Jesus Christ is the anticipation. The beginning of the story is right now. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.